Welcome to Coffee Con Trails. You are listening to Document 13 by Christina Romero. It was now or never. With the escape route imprinted in her mind, she pushed the door open, setting off the alarms. The sound followed her as she wove her way through the mesa hallways and doors until she made the final push out into the unknown. She paused for a second. A vague memory from a previous escape attempt flitted into her mind. Screams, hands grabbing at her, pulling her away from the fence as she was dragged back into the padded room. She shook her head to clear the memory away. It wasn't her memory, not really, just something she had inherited, just like the escape route and some of the strange abilities that had caused her to be used like a guinea pig her whole life. She studied the fence and saw it. A hole. She could certainly fit. She scrambled into it, running to the inviting stand of trees to take cover. Once in the shade of the trees, she dared to look back towards the building. It stood alone in a pool of asphalt surrounded by the tall chain-link fence. Topped with barbed wire, it had, at one point, looked fierce, shouting, stay out, at any possible intruders. Now it sagged like a tired old woman. The asphalt cracked and buckled. The white lines defining the parking area faded and worn. As she stared, the alarm sputtered and stopped. The silence that followed more shocking than the alarms. The building itself showed its age, the paint peeling, the windows dirty. She wondered how long it had been since her last escape attempt. Time didn't pass for her the same way as it did everyone else. The shouts coming from the other side of the building snapped her back into herself, and she was off into the trees, not waiting to get dragged back inside. She followed a deer trail through the woods until she heard the sound of running water. The scent of wet earth quickly followed, making her lick her dry lips and realize how thirsty she was. Her bare feet crunched the leaves as she left the trail and headed towards the water. She didn't know how she knew this was water. That was also ingrained in her mind. Like so many other things that were triggered by the smallest sensory input, smells, sounds, sights, all set off a spark in her mind, activating knowledge she was not aware she had. A bird chirping, a mosquito buzzing, the smell of pine trees, the loam under her feet. Everything was new, yet familiar. The creek was clear and undisturbed. She took a deep breath, savoring the smells that assaulted her senses, and after making sure there were no other living beings in the area, walked to the water's edge. She stared into the water. Her reflection staring back at her startled her for a second before recognizing herself. She studied the pale face in the water, her eyes bigger and deeper set than she had anticipated. Her dark hair was growing back after the last electroshock treatment. It had grown to hide the lady's marks it had left on her scalp. Memories of that day rushed her, dropping her to her knees. So much pain, so much fear, and then it had ended, and she was back in her room. Her mind nudged her back to reality, the dryness in her mouth pushing her towards the relief the water offered. She lowered her face to the water, the coolness of it as it touched her tongue bringing her much-needed relief. Her body seemed to act on its own as it stood her up and made her look around, getting her bearings, consulting the map in her mind, accessing what she needed from her predecessor's memories. Apparently, one of them had made it this far. A dim memory of a cave in the vicinity made its way to her consciousness, guiding her towards shelter. She hoped that people at the lab had no memory of this as she set off through the water, trying to cover her tracks as best as she could. She nearly missed the cave, the ground cover having grown so thick in front of the small opening it now acted as a wall. She stared at it, trying to figure out a way to keep the natural camouflage in front of the cave. A lizard slithered between the lush greenery and the wall of the cave, drawing her attention to the way in. 
If a lizard could fit, so could she. Just like that, she found herself in a damp, dark area. She didn't remember going into the cave. She wondered how that had happened. She felt the nudge in her mind to keep going, to forget the questions for now. The cave was cool, and after her eyes had adjusted to the dim lighting, it was bigger than it looked from the outside. She made her way through the tunnel to a bigger chamber. It was big enough to fit at least three people comfortably. In the memories her predecessors had imprinted in her mind, there had been two people in the chamber. The memories led her to a smaller chamber off to one side, where a large wooden box waited for her. An implanted memory of a friendship surged to the forefront. Laughter, companionship, things she had never had in the lab, things she should know nothing about, bloomed with a warmth she had never known in her breast. She wanted that. She needed to find it, feel it for herself. Once again, the nudge from the inside of her mind compelled her to set aside those feelings for later. She needed to stay on task. What that task was, she wasn't quite sure yet. The drugs and the electroshock treatment they had given her to keep her compliant had done its job. But now that she didn't have a dose in a few hours, she could feel the information slowly begin to seep back where it belonged. She looked inside the box, finding supplies. Food, water, matches, a flashlight and batteries, a sleeping bag, clothes, a first aid kit, and a notebook. Her hands were drawn to the notebook first. Now that her eyes had fully adjusted to the lighting in the cave, she was able to clearly see what she needed to see. My name is Abby, but you probably already know this. At least I hope you remember. If you are reading this, I am most likely dead. In case it did something to alter your memories, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of what has been going on. This is our 12th attempt at escaping. I finally made it out and all the way here. Found someone willing to help. A kind man that has lost his daughter. He said, I reminded him of her. I did not want to involve him, yet he insisted, and I did need the help. His name is David, and he used to be a doctor in his other life. At least that's what he said. The people from the lab, the labbies as I've gotten to call them, shouldn't know this cave exists. You should be safe. I don't know how long it has been for you. For me, it is now the year 1997, according to David. It doesn't seem right to me. The last time we escaped was nearly 50 cycles ago. Not years. You have to be clear on that. The cycles are how long between the times they made new us. I'm one of the first. I just have a few of the qualities, or gifts as they call them, that they are looking for. That's why I was able to escape. I wasn't high priority anymore. With each new cycle, new gifts are found. By the time I'd left, the new cycle the labbies had produced could achieve most of the things they were trying for, but with consequences. They only had a 10-day lifespan. They grew fast, showed their gifts fast, and died fast. They had gone back to tinkering with one of the earlier cycles. One of the ones that had achieved almost all the labbies' dreams. I left before knowing what exactly they had done, but I could sense there was something different about the new batch, and only one ticked all their boxes, and more. She is their prize, the one we have to free. I have drawn a map to David's house. He reminded me that I knew how to write. I'm sure you understand how that works. Like riding a bike is how David explained it to me. Still trying to figure that one out. The experiments we have been subjected to, the voices in your head that aren't yours, the memories that you don't remember living, everything we have endured is forging a path for the labbies, or whoever they work for, to take over people's minds. 
to turn them into mindless slaves. We have to stop them. I am on my way to find out more. Everything I have found, everything I have discovered is in this notebook. Don't lose it. It's your guide to freeing the rest of us. At last count, they had 10, including me. I don't know how many you can sense. If you can get the one, the key, and try to keep her safe away from the labbies, then we have succeeded. If you can't get her out, you must destroy her. Destroy the key. Good luck. And remember, we're always with you, even if you can't sense us. She stared at the words on the page, trying to remember when she had learned how to read. Just like everything else, it was as if she just knew, like riding a bike. 1997. When was that? She had no concept of time. Being cooped up inside a building with no outside contact will do that. She wondered what year it was now. Slowly, everything she had read began to make sense. The trips to the electroshock therapy, the drugs, the isolation from anyone but a couple of labbies. They always wore woolen hats, and she realized she couldn't ever hear their voices in her head, like when they were doing the experiments, like when they asked her to perform some of her tricks. The hats they wore blocked her. She needed to find David. She hoped that it hadn't been too long, and maybe he would help her. But first, she'd have to look for some sustenance. Her energy was low. Water had been good for her, but her body needed more. Her mind searched for what she needed. Food. She needed food. She had seen something in the box. There were a few vacuum-sealed packages with pictures on them. A turkey with mashed potatoes and gravy. That might be good. Her mouth began to salivate as her fingers fumbled with the packaging, finally tearing it open. The freeze-dried chunks were not very appealing, but the rumbling in her stomach did not seem to mind. She snagged one out of the package and popped it in her mouth. As soon as her saliva began to seep into the solid nugget, the flavors burst onto her taste buds. The buttery turkey, the gravy, and potatoes. It was heavenly. Lab food was nowhere near as good as this. It normally went in through her veins or in liquid form when they were being especially generous. Before she knew it, the package was empty and her stomach was full. Her mouth was dry again and she reached for a thermos, knowing that it held the water she needed to assuage her thirst. She sat back against the wall, hiding behind the wooden box. That notebook clutched to her breast and slipped off to a dreamless sleep. Chirping nudged her awake the next morning. She stretched her arms and her neck, trying to work out the kinks in her muscles. Her eyes fluttered, trying to shut again. It had been an exhausting day for her. Her body wanted, needed more rest. She fought off the drowsiness, relieved to have made it through the night without being found. Today, she would explore the cave some more. During the night, more information has seeped into her mind. Another map. This one of tunnels safely leading out of the cave. As she navigated the map in her mind, memorizing it, she noticed the chirping that had awoken her seemed to be getting louder. She scrambled to her feet, all senses on alert, realizing that the chirping was an alarm. An alarm for what? And could anyone outside hear it? What had set it off? Out of the corner of her eyes, she noticed a green light blinking in the box. She didn't remember seeing that there before. Her hand seemed to act on its own as it reached into the box to retrieve the object making the noise. It was rectangular and fit comfortably in her hand. A screen, like a television, only smaller, stared at her. A picture of a man. David! Her memory yelled at her, filling her with a feeling of joy she had not experienced before. David! 
The object, a phone, a whisper in her mind revealed, vibrated in her hand as if trying to get away. She gently touched the face on the screen, ending the tripping. A second of silence before a distant, crackling voice wove its way out of the object she was holding. Hello, Abby, is that you? The deep voice was hopeful, shaky. She held the phone at arm's length, not quite knowing what to do. Abby? It came back slowly, tentatively, as if afraid to show itself. That was her name, the one that had left all this for her, the one that had written in the notebook. Hello? Her voice trembled, rusty with disuse. She had not been allowed to use it often, only when asked a direct question. Abby? The voice asked again. Abby? She repeated, the word foreign to her tongue. Silence. She panicked. The voice had given her hope. Now it was gone, and fear seeped into her being. She was alone again. David? She managed to ask. I'll be there in a few minutes. The voice answered, the urgency sending a warning through her. Don't go! Her plea surprised her as memories of the voice and its owner rushed her. David had been kind, fatherly, something she had not realized she had needed. She tried to shut off the memories. They weren't hers. She didn't know him. Okay, okay, I'm right here. I'll keep in touch. Just wait for me. She heard rustling through the phone, a door opening, footsteps. Okay, she answered, reaching for the notebook. She needed more answers. Hey. The voice crackled. You're still there? He asked. Heavy breathing accompanied the words. Yes, she opened the notebook. There were maps, numbers, words. Why didn't she already know all this that Abby had written in the notebook? Why had she even had to write it down? Why didn't she just know it like she knew everything else? Good. I'm not as quick as I used to be, so give me a few more minutes. Don't go anywhere. Okay, she answered, realizing what he had been saying. Wait for me. Don't go anywhere. Where would she have gone? Why were there missing memories? She looked in the notebook for answers. Abby must have written down why she had to write everything down. She flipped through the notebook, finally getting near the end. That's where she found the answer. He did it. I'm not sure how to feel about it, even though I agree to it. Even though I told him where and what exactly he needed to do. It was as if I was supposed to give him that information, and when he did it, it was so quick and painless. Almost like he already knew what to do. My connection to my past, my present, my future, it's broken, forever, just like that. David said he needs me to figure out how the massive cells, my unit, that he took from my brain is supposed to work. How it has kept sending information to you at the lab. I did tell you he was a doctor, right? Well, he was a brain surgeon. Go figure. Just what I needed. I hope I can really trust him because I don't know if that was the right thing to do. I feel adrift, lost, without purpose. Abby? The strangely familiar voice intruded in her thoughts, making her shut the notebook and jump to her feet. She stared at the man from her memories, the warm feelings beginning to bloom only for her to quickly shut them off. He had severed Abby's link. How was she supposed to know what to do from here? The notebook wasn't going to be enough. She could sense that much. She slowly shook her head. No. Which one are you? He stood at the entrance to a tunnel she had failed to notice earlier, one that hadn't been in her map. I... She looked down at herself. The identifying marks branded her forearm. 
25-DOC13. She ran her fingertips over the smooth, raised skin. They didn't. The words slipped out of his mouth, leading him to her. He stood a couple of feet away, his hand slightly raised towards her, a pained grimace on his tightly set lips. She held out her arm towards him, like she had been taught to do at the lab, showing him her identification. He looked at her, his eyes asking for permission to close the gap between them. She nodded. I'm so sorry. I've been trying to shut that place down, to do what Abby wanted to do, but no one will listen. His hands were gentle as they gripped her arm, his fingertips skating over her skin. 25-DOC13. He was quiet for a moment. Can't call you that. She shook her head in agreement. How about... He tried to think of a name that he could form from the marks on her arm. Abby had told him her name from the first as if she had been born with it. She had filled him in on what was going on at the lab. At first he had scoffed at the idea that some covert agency was making clones to take over the world. But the more he spent time with her, the more he believed her. She had reminded him of his daughter. And a few times, when she moved a certain way, said a word a certain way, he wondered if she really was his daughter. David? She asked. She had heard a whisper in her mind. Someone that sounded like David. Words mumbled. She hadn't been able to make out what they were. Sorry, I was just thinking. He smiled at her. Now, about a name for you. How about Dosi? You know, Doc 13. Just convert the one and three into I and an E. David shrugged. It didn't sound too bad. Dosi. She scrunched her nose up as if she had smelled something bad, then repeated it. Dosi. She nodded. I think I like it. Good. Now tell me what you know, he asked, hoping to get some information about the lab that Abby had wanted to destroy. What number are we at? Dosi said in answer to his question. What number? David's voice trickled to a stop as he considered her question. Year? Are you asking what year it is? She nodded her head. It's 2010. It's been a few years since I saw Abby last. Thirteen, she said, the numbers coming easy in her mind. Thirteen. She looked down at herself, her knees knobby, her legs skinny and pale. Her arms were long and thin, ending in slender fingers. Her body looked younger than she felt. Maybe sixteen. Yeah. Thirteen years, and what did he have to show for it? Nothing. I'm not thirteen. That's too new, Dosi said. Yes. David took a deep breath, ready to explain why she looked younger than she probably felt. According to Abby, all the newer clones were at a decreased growth rate, keeping the physical body younger to be able to experiment on them longer. It had made him seeth then. It was no different now. I know. You don't have to tell me. Dosi knew that she was older than she looked. During one of the experiments, she had looked into the mind of one of the labbies and had gleaned her history from them. She had been cycle 25, along with six others. They had been kept separate from each other and other cycles. Not all cycles had survived. Cycle 25 had been special. Special wasn't good in the lab. It just meant more tests and experiments. Do you feel her now? David's voice quivered with hope. Maybe he could find Abby. She shook her head. She's just... Memories, Dosi tried to explain. The cells from her brain, the ones she took out, her unit, 
They were the only way we kept in touch. I'm sorry about that. It was the only way to keep them from finding her. I made sure she was safe, that it didn't hurt too much. She wanted me to do it, David tried to explain. As he stared at her, he realized she was shaking and was still wearing the lab scrubs. Damn, what am I thinking? We need to get you some clean clothes and actual food in you. Let me take you home, clean you up. We can talk about this some more. Dosi didn't like what she was hearing. She couldn't just leave the cave. No, I can't leave. I have to stay here. David studied her, the set jaw defiant, just like his daughter, Heather, had done whenever she didn't want to do something. He longed to go back to the days where his life had revolved around his daughter. The day she had vanished had been the last normal day of his life. Since then, he had given his life to finding her. Abby had been a refreshing dose of hope before she too had vanished into thin air, leaving behind a wooden trunk and instructions to him as to what to do when another one of her showed up. Okay, you can stay here. He gave in, knowing there was no way she would come with him willingly. I will come and stay with you. There's more than enough room here, and I'll see about bringing some fresh food. The astronaut food is better kept for later. Dosi studied him. He was older than her memories, but there was something else about him. Something different. He looked worn out. She glanced around the cave, and something nudged her to leave with David and let the cave stay a secret hideaway. No, we can go. It will be okay. She nodded more to herself than to him, hoping this was the right decision. Let's go then. David held out his hand for her, waiting for her to grasp it. But she just stared at him, waiting for him to lead the way. Let's go, she waited, wondering why he was holding his arm out to her. She realized too late that he wanted her to take his hand. David nodded and led them out of the cave through the tunnel from which he had entered. It led right to his barn. He'd had plenty of time to prepare himself for Dosi's arrival. They were like tiny pinpricks inside her head, begging to be let in. It didn't bother her at first, when she had felt it in the tunnel on the way to David's house. But now, sitting in his kitchen, the pinpricks were starting to feel more like ice picks. She tried to concentrate on what he was saying, what he was telling her, but the constant poking at her brain was now causing her head to hurt. Dosi, are you okay? David asked when he noticed she was holding her head in her hands. She shook her head. My head? Those were the last words out of her mouth before an ear-piercing scream shot out of her mouth and she fell off the chair, limp and unconscious. David was frozen in place for a second before his instincts as a doctor kicked in and he was at Dosi's side, checking for a pulse, breathing anything to indicate she was still alive. Once he'd established she hadn't dropped dead on him, he scooped her up into his arms and took her to Abby's bedroom. The lights were flashing on and off. There were screams and smoke. The pain wasn't hers. It came rushing at her, what was happening, and it was because of her. She managed to gather bits and pieces of the situation, like a radio signal going in and out, with static making it hard to understand what was happening. After she had escaped, the labbies had rounded everyone up, just the remaining six, and were trying to make the others contact her, trying to figure out where she had gone, but the drugs and the shock treatments made it difficult. As soon as the torture had stopped, their connection had come back full force. 
For her, there were suddenly six confused, scared, and upset people in her head, trying to communicate with her. It had become too much. Before she had passed out, there had been a warning. Run! 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 She sat up in a bed, no idea how she'd gotten there, and tried to jump out of it. A strong hand stopped her. Dozy! God, I was so worried. Are you okay? David asked, trying to keep her in bed. No, she shook her head. They know where I am. I have to go. She tried to pull away from David's grasp, only to find he wasn't letting go. Hold on a minute. What do you mean they know where you are? How? David swallowed the panic that threatened to pull him under. If they knew where she was, did they have Abby? And had they forced her to tell them where he was? I heard them in my head, the others, warning me. Dosi explained, trying to shake the awful feelings out of her mind. The others of you? Was Abby one of them? He asked, hoping against hope that Abby had contacted her. Dosi shook her head. No, not her, just the others of me. David nodded, remembering Abby could no longer communicate with Dosi and the others in that way. Because of him. He shook the guilt out of his mind. This was not the time for that. How long do we have? I don't know. They were hurting them. It's all my fault. I shouldn't have escaped. Dosi could still feel the fear sixfold. It was terrifying. She was trembling. Let's go to the cave. Abby said something about the minerals in the rock made it hard for her to communicate with you. So we should just go back there. They shouldn't be able to use the others to help them find us. Dosi nodded, now realizing why she had felt safe there, why she hadn't felt anything until they were in the tunnel. Can you communicate with anyone now? How long do we have? David stood up, taking Dosi with him. He had a bug-out bag ready to go, and there were supplies in the cave to last at least a couple of months. He dragged Dosi along with him, collecting what he thought they may need. Let me see. This wasn't new to Dosi. She had begun communicating with the rest of them by accident, after one of the experiments when the labbies forgot to dose her. At first she had thought they were just made-up people in her head, but as time went on, she became aware of what was going on. She recognized that she wasn't alone. Without the drugs and the shock treatments, it was easy to reach out. She felt movement. They were in a truck. Back of a truck. One of the army ones she had seen once. No... Abby had seen. They were being driven somewhere, not to her. Are the labbies coming after me? She asked. There was no answer. Where are you being taken? She asked. Silence. Then a tentative poke, and someone answered. They said they were compromised. Someone broke into the lab. They sent people out into the woods with guns. Dosi smiled. It worked. I'm going to get you out. I'll find you, no matter what. She hoped they believed her, and she remembered Abby in her head telling her the same thing. It dawned on her that maybe that had been Abby breaking into the lab to save them. And if it had been, she might be headed towards the cave to safety. We need to hurry. I think Abby's at the cave. Dosi said, pulling her hand out of David's grasp and rushing out towards the barn. David stood rooted to the floor. 
Abby at the cave. He had been religiously calling once a day, hoping she'd answer. He watched Dosi run for the barn and followed, carrying the supplies he thought they would need. If they had a bead on her at his house, he would have to destroy the tunnel that led to the cave. They couldn't find it. Good thing he had prepared for that. Hold on, wait for me. He rushed into the barn to watch her disappear into the trap door he'd made. Hurry up, Dosi yelled. I need to cover our tracks. David threw the bags down into the tunnel and set about to destroy it after they were safe. The timer still worked. Good. He set it for 15 minutes. Plenty of time to get them there safely. What are you doing? Just take one of the bags and go. I'll catch up. David looked around one more time, making sure he wasn't forgetting something, and climbed down into the tunnel. It's about time. Let's go. Dosi grabbed the smaller of the bags and headed down the tunnel. The explosion was quick and sent dirt and rocks flying after them. Luckily, they had just made it to the cave when it happened. David was out of breath. He glanced around the cave, hoping to see Abby there, but it was empty and quiet. The only noise he heard was their breathing. I thought you said Abby was here. I thought she might be. They told me someone broke into the lab, that they were being moved, and that the labbies sent people into the woods after the one that did it. I just figured it was Abby. If she was being followed, she wouldn't lead them here. She would lead them away, just in case one of you had escaped. David snapped at her as he tried to work it out. Abby would be smart enough not to come to the cave. I don't know anything. Dosi sat down on the floor and, hugging her knees, closed her eyes. She wished she had never had those memories in her mind, that she had just ignored it all. He watched her, feeling guilty at having been short with her. Hey, I'm sorry. I know this is hard on you. I can't even begin to imagine what it's like. He took a step towards her when he heard it. The chirping, coming from the wooden box. They both turned their attention towards it, their eyes widening in surprise. David rushed to get to the phone before it stopped. Hello? He asked, suddenly aware that maybe it wasn't Abby calling. David? Her voice was staticky, but he still recognized it. A flood of relief rushed through him, and he felt his lips lift into a smile. Abby, is that really you? He whispered into the phone, holding it close to his ear. Yes, I've been hurt. I didn't know where else to go. The cave was a no-go. I didn't want them finding it when they found me. I'm sorry. Her voice sounded defeated. It's okay. I could come get you. David needed to see her to make sure it was really her. No, it's too dangerous right now. Stay there with Dosi. David pulled away from the phone as if he'd been physically hit. How did she know about Dosi? Abby, is that really you? He asked, realizing there was something different about her voice. Just a slight change. You know how you took that mass of cells out of me? She asked. Yeah, and you said it broke your connection, that you needed time and you disappeared. David remembered all too well. The guilt he still felt at having talked her into letting him operate on her, to take the mass out that connected her to the rest of herself back at the lab. He had wanted to give her a freedom, a fresh start. She just wanted to help them. Well, it grew back. Whatever they did to me, us, it grows back. Except I'm just an observer, not able to communicate. But I knew everything that happened to her, to them. And I thought I could help them, get them all out. 
Dosi was the only one that followed my instructions. The others were too scared, and now they're being taken somewhere else. I need Dosi's help to talk to them, she explained. How? David began to ask only to stop himself. He didn't need to ask how they had done any of this. He knew full well. I'm coming to get you. I'll leave Dosi here. She'll be safe. Don't leave me, Dosi said, clutching at his arm. She didn't want to be alone. Abby? David said into the phone. Mm-hmm, she mumbled and dropped the phone. Damn it. David ran his fingers through his hair in exasperation. Dozy, let's go. Abby said she was hurt, and if I know one thing about her is that she always downplays how bad things are. If it was her at the lab, who knows how hurt she is. She may need some blood, and you are definitely a match. He placed the phone in the bug-out bag, grabbed it and Dosi's hand, and headed down one of the tunnels leading them out of the cave. She first sensed them there, in the back of her mind, like whispers she couldn't quite understand, as they were walking through the tunnel. She concentrated, trying to figure out what they were saying. One word came through loud and clear. Heather. Before she had a chance to explore the meaning of it, she came to a full stop as they exited the tunnel. They were behind a waterfall. It was magical. Come on, we don't have time to admire the scenery. David yanked her arm and dragged her out from behind the waterfall. He took a minute to get his bearings and continued towards the cabin. I feel them. They were trying to tell me something, but now they've gone quiet. Something is happening, Dosi whispered, trying to keep up with David's long strides. Abby said she could sense you, that she just couldn't communicate with you and she needed your help to talk to them, David said. Dosi stopped, pulling on David's hand, making him stop. What? David asked. How? She said it grew back, the cells, that they grew back, but she couldn't communicate with you. Just watch you, he answered. He didn't have much more information than that. We need to get to her to help her. Okay. Yes, let's go. She was rushing to walk next to David when she felt it. It was like a cool shadow in her mind. Someone was there, watching. Wait, she hissed as she instinctively ducked down. Without hesitation, David followed her lead. He had been around Abby enough to know what that meant. Something was up. What is it? he whispered. Dosi shook her head. I don't know. I'm not sure. Someone is watching. Out there? David spread his hand out towards the woods. Dozy thought about it. No, it wasn't out there. It was in her mind. No, inside. She tapped her temple, a raised eyebrow to punctuate her point. Okay, we need to keep moving. Do you think you can do that? She nodded her head and took a deep breath, extending out her feelers, trying to pinpoint where that shadow was. It was hanging back, giving them space. She didn't feel threatened by it, just wary. It followed them until she closed her eyes and imagined a wall between them. That seemed to block it, for now. They were close to the cabin. She hoped she had built the wall soon enough to keep them safe. Wait here, David said, holding up his hand to make her stop. Here's the phone. I'll call you when it's clear for you to come in. Dosi didn't want to argue or go with him into the cabin yet. It didn't seem safe. She took the phone and walked into a thicket to hide. David waited until he couldn't see her anymore and cautiously walked back to the cabin. She sensed when he was safe in the cabin. 
She could feel what he was feeling, which was new. A sense of relief flooded through her. There was a hint of fear, but overwhelming that was a warmth she had first felt in the cave with Abby's memory of David. This new sense was exciting to her. Why could she do it? And could she do it with other people? Was it because he was with Abby? There were too many questions for her right now. She headed towards the cabin, not waiting for David to call her. David, she called when she stepped through the threshold. She was cautious, not wanting to upset him for not listening. Up here, David's voice drifted towards her from the top of the stairs. She hadn't been upstairs before, hadn't even realized there was an upstairs. Is everything okay? Dosi's senses were out of whack. It was like there were two people in one, and she realized that it was Abby, using David as a conduit to communicate with her. How did she do that? Yes, better than okay. Come look. It was Abby's voice now. Dosi stood at the doorway, not sure if she was welcome. Something wasn't right. She could now sense them both, each a separate entity, but there was still a third, a vague impression of an extra person. What was going on? I'm sorry, we need to hurry and it was the only way to get your attention, Abby explained from the bed. Are you okay? Dosi asked. Yeah, whatever they did to me, it gave me the power to heal myself. Abby held her hand out to Dosi, inviting her to join them. Like a superhero? The words drifted out of Dosi's mouth, not quite sure what a superhero was, yet knowing what it meant. Abby laughed. Yeah, like a superhero. That's what they were doing, wasn't it, at the lab? Abby asked, and with that one question, Dosi knew this wasn't Abby. Whoever it was, she didn't think they could trust her. David, Dosi said, trying to keep her voice calm. Come in here, Dosi, he extended his arm out for her. No, you come out here, I need to talk to you. Dosi's lower lip jutted out in a pout and her eyes widened as she stared at David. Okay, okay, he chuckled as he joined her at the doorway. That's not Abby, we have to leave, now. Dosi grabbed his elbow, trying to guide him away from the bedroom. What? David could not believe what he was hearing. Of course it was Abby. It's not her. Dosi reached for David's hand to pull him back down the stairs, but he wouldn't budge. Is everything okay? Abby called from the bedroom. Fine. We're going to the kitchen to make some tea. Don't go anywhere. David had seen the desperation in Dosi's eyes and knew something wasn't right. Just like you like it, with cream and sugar, David waited for Abby's answer. After a long, awkward silence, Abby finally answered, I don't drink tea. You know that. It is her. David smiled at Dosi, relieved that she had been wrong. Did I pass? The question from the room brought them back to the door. Dosi stared at the woman on the bed, refusing to approach her. There was something about her that wasn't right. Dosi, you're right to be concerned. Abby smiled at her. Come here and let me tell you what happened and what we need to do. They didn't move. Instead, watched as Abby's face changed slightly aging, looking more like David each second. Heather? David's lips barely moved as he took a step towards whoever was in the bed. David, no! Dosi reached out for him only to be knocked back by a shove, not physical, but in her mind. Dad? Heather swung her legs over the side of the bed and sat, waiting for her father to reach her. 
How? What? David's voice stuttered to a stop. He couldn't believe his eyes. His little girl looked like her mother. Dosi was stunned. This wasn't right. What was happening? I know. Dosi, I know. I'm in as much of a shock as you are. She looked at her father. Dad, let me explain. <laughs> David was still in shock. After all these years of wondering, and here she was, sitting before him. He couldn't wait to find out what the hell was going on. Please do, he managed to say. Abby helped me escape. I've been at the lab all this time. Abby, Dosie, all the others, they're me, or a part of me. The people that did this wanted to recreate what I have, the ability I was born with. She started. What ability? David asked, not quite sure he wanted to know. This ability of communicating with others using my mind. And as you saw, I can change what I look like. It's more of a mind thing than an actual physical thing. Once they started working on my clones, they would unlock new powers and they would see if they could give them to me. This healing that I have, it came from Dosi, Heather explained. Why do they want to do that? David asked just as he remembered what Abby had told him, what she believed was happening, why she wanted to stop the labbies. They want to see if the new powers are interchangeable. Heather shrugged, looking away from her father. What she knew had been what she knew had been from bits and pieces of conversations she had heard from Abby, from trying to dip into their minds, but they had been prepared. Somehow, they had been able to block her from getting to them. She had learned to use others as conduits, to see and hear what she wanted. Still, she hadn't been able to get the full story, and it wasn't until Abby had shown up at her door, until she had broken her out, that she had learned the truth. It had been an information dump into her brain, leaving her exhausted and shocked. Abby had guided her, given her directions, shown her what she could do. Dosie's eyes widened as Heather let her in, showed her what she knew. David looked from one to the other, trying to figure out what was going on, what they were doing. She's okay. She showed me what happened. We should listen to her. Dosie nodded at him, pulling him towards the bed. Heather, what did they do to you? David stood where he was, a dim memory trying to make its way out of the recesses of his mind, a little girl crying. Dad, you're telling me that you don't know? Heather stared at her father in disbelief. He had been the one that had handed her over, given away his only daughter, his only family to the people at the lab. Do I want to know? The words were strangled, almost dying in his throat. He didn't want to know, yet he couldn't stop the sudden rush of memories flooding his mind. The sudden outbursts from his child, the strange way she had of knowing it was the strange way she had of knowing what he was going to say or do. It wasn't until things had escalated to moving objects that he had sought the help of the lab. You do know. You just forgot. Heather's voice was sad, not blaming him. David slowly shook his head as the wall that kept the memories completely hidden crumbled. No, I didn't. They made me forget, and I have believed you vanished for all these years. David was silent for a moment, realizing just what he had done. I'm so sorry. He rushed towards his daughter, taking her in his arms like he should have done from the beginning. I'm so sorry, he sobbed. We don't have time for this right now. Heather pushed her father away and turned to Dosi, 
the labbies are moving the others. I don't know where, but you can help us. You're not like the others, or Abby, or even me. But I am you. You are me. Abby is us. Dosie said her words stunted. David suddenly realizing she sounded artificial. He had just tacked it up to her being isolated for her whole existence. <sighs> yes and no. They call the ones they succeed with documents. You are document 13, and you are the reason they are trying to get rid of everything. With you gone, and they not able to find you, they have to get rid of any evidence against them. They have their science. They don't need any live proof, at least any that is tied to you. They don't take well to rebels. Their goal is to find you and either take you back or neutralize you. Abby finally figured it out. That's why she picked you to concentrate her efforts on, to give you a push out of that lab. Heather smiled at Dosie placing her hand on her shoulder. How? I removed her. What did she call it? David frowned and thought. Her unit. Dosie offered, referring to the mass of cells David had removed from Abby. As her hand reached behind her right ear and rubbed the scar, a vague memory of surgery's past, of matter removed and added. Heather continued, It doesn't matter. Not for Dosie. See, that's what makes her special. She was just a fluke. The thirteenth try with some new material they were adding to my DNA as they were making them. They have no idea what happened. She is the only one out of seven that turned out the way she did. And from her, it's where I got the superhero powers, the healing powers. Somehow, you evolved. Dosie frowned, trying to figure out and understand what she was hearing. So... What am I? If Abby and I get our way, anything you want. Right now, Abby needs our help. She is with the others, and somehow the labbies are blocking them from communicating. But you are still able to. So I need you, Dosie, to help me. We need to find out where they are and go get them. Heather pleaded. Why haven't the people from the lab gotten here yet? The others told me the labbies had sent someone into the woods. Dosie wasn't sure what to do. She wanted to help the others, to stop the lab from doing whatever it was they were doing, but she didn't know how, didn't quite understand the power she had. You're stopping them. I don't know how, but you're blocking them from finding us. I don't know for how long you can do it, so we need to get moving. Heather stood up and, touching her side, checking for any other injuries, nodded and began walking towards the door. Dosie remembered putting up a wall in her mind and wondered if that was what had done it. Where are we going? David asked, stopping Heather in her tracks. She stood still, her head slightly tilted to the side. Where? She stood still. Okay. She stood still, her head slightly tilted to the side, as if listening for something only she could hear. In that moment, he saw the little... In that moment, he saw the little girl he'd given to those people to exploit. She had always been upbeat and optimistic, even with her ability to see more than she was supposed to. To find Abby and the others and get as far away from the labbies as possible, she led them outside to David's truck and they headed out to find Abby and the other clones. Do you feel them now? Heather asked again as David drove onto a dirt road leading into the forest. Dosie nodded again. The others were being extra quiet, but she had figured out how to pinpoint their location. 
Without the drugs and shock therapy they had given her at the lab, her abilities were growing stronger, and with Heather's help, she was able to manage them, more or less. They had taken a wrong turn a few miles back and had to backtrack. How much longer? David asked, glancing at the gas gauge. They had already had to use half of his gas reserves. At this rate, even if they got to where they were going, getting back was going to be a little iffy. Almost... Okay, stop, stop! Lucy yelled, frantically waving her arms in front of her. Here! They turned here! David and Heather looked around. There weren't any tracks leading to where Dosie was pointing. She closed her eyes to try and glean more information from her mind. A lot of rustling around, hands shoving, grabbing, pulling. Fear so overwhelming, she almost drew back, away from them. They're in trouble. She opened her eyes and jumped out of the truck, rushing through the woods. They're over here. We have to hurry, she hissed before disappearing into the trees. David and Heather looked at each other for a second before following her. They found her hiding behind some bushes, staring into a clearing. What is it? David whispered, trying to see through the branches that impeded his sight. They're there with Abby. They have guns. Dosie closed her eyes as what the word gun conjured up in her head. Nothing good. A shadow flitted through her mind, the same one that had followed them from the cave. She reached out with her mind, trying to figure out what it was. It wasn't threatening, and this time when she reached out for it, it showed itself. It's okay. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm going to help you. A voice whispered, soothing her. Dosi nodded her head, feeling a strong connection to the shadow. She trusted it. Oh my god! Heather's yell broke into Dosi's mind, forcing her to confront what was happening in the clearing. The shot rang through the woods, silencing everything in its path. And then, everything happened at once. Dosi stepped out of the bushes and stared at the men as chaos whirled around her. David was lucky to escape unscathed as the ground buckled under him. First, small pebbles, then rocks, and lastly, boulders and trees were launched towards the clearing, felling the men that held the guns. The others crouched on the ground, clutching each other. Abby's lifeless body on the ground in front of them. Holy shit, what was that? David shouted after it was all done. His ears were ringing and he could hardly hear himself talk. I... Dosie looked down at herself, not quite sure what had happened. The shot had been like an alarm in her head, setting off the anger and frustration of her whole existence and directing it at the men that held the other parts of her at gunpoint. Those were the powers I was talking about, Heather said as she stood up and cautiously walked towards the clearing. The powers that they've been trying to achieve. David followed, gently guiding Dosie by the elbow. He couldn't believe what he was seeing as he looked on at what Dosie had done. Half a dozen men were strewn about the clearing like forgotten dolls, their arms and legs at odd angles, some under boulders, some tossed away like an afterthought. It had all happened within seconds. It didn't seem real. Heather was crouched down next to a prone Abby, doing something to her before David finally saw her stir, her leg twitching as life was returned to her. What has his daughter done? David? Abby croaked when she saw him staring at her. And while she had stopped aging, David looked every bit his age and then some. Abby? How? You were dead, weren't you? David asked, staring at Abby before slowly turning to study his daughter. 
What had they done to her in that lab? I told you, Dad. They put some of Dosi in me to see what would happen. This racing the dead is fairly new. Not quite sure how I did it. I guess that's something we'll have to explore. Heather's smile died on her lips as she sensed Dosi's turmoil. Something was pulling at her, trying to lead her away from them. We better leave before they realized what happened, Dosi said from behind them, her eyes darting from bush to bush, scouting the area. The shadow showed itself in her mind again. You need to come with me, it gently commanded before showing her what was happening at the cabin. Dosi nodded. They're closing in on the cabin. If they have that figured out, they will probably get to us eventually. We need to leave here. Dosi slowly realized that no matter what they did, they would never be able to be completely free. They would always be looking over their shoulder. Dosi, Abby asked, trying to get to her feet. Dosi, now that we're all together, we will be fine. We're stronger together. Abby reached out to her, trying to get her regenerating unit back online. It was harder than she thought. Heather, she turned to the only other person that could talk some sense into Dosi. Dosi? Heather could sense the anxiety Dosi was feeling. There was something pulling at her. She could sense it as well, a shadow in her mind, oddly comforting, somewhat familiar. Heather turned to her father. Where's my mother? What? David was taken aback. He thought of Heather's mother every day. She had been a sensitive person, not able to handle raising a child. She had left one night, just abandoned them. He had always wondered what had happened to her. My mom, Grace, what happened to her? Where is she? Heather asked, prodding at her father's mind, trying to figure out what he knew. Heather, get out of my mind. He swatted the air in front of his face as if that would keep her out. You said she died when I was born. Heather had seen what she needed to see. I'm sorry, I didn't want you to think it was because of you. And then I did what I did and I lost you. David tried to apologize, but he knew it wasn't enough. Follow Dosi, the shadow said into Heather's mind and was gone. Let's go, Dosi said, turning into the trees and walking away from them. They all looked at each other, confused as to what was going on. The others quickly followed Dosi, leaving Abby, Heather, and David in the clearing, trying to figure out what had happened. I think we should go and find out what Dosi is leading us to, Abby said. She could see her moving through the woods, but the farther away she got, the weaker the link became. She didn't want to lose it again. Dad? Heather turned to her father. He was staring into the trees, where Dozy and the others had disappeared into. Okay, let's go. He finally answered, and they headed out. After walking for a few hours, Dozy finally stopped at the edge of another clearing. It was dusk, and the forest sounds were changing from day to night. They all stared at a small building in the middle of the clearing. Where are we? David asked. Home, Dosi said, smiling as she turned to them. We're home. Come inside, the shadow whispered in all their minds this time. They walked towards the door and it opened. David? Girls? Grace greeted them, stepping aside to let them enter her home. Grace? David stood rooted in place, staring at his wife. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. He should have had a clue when Heather asked about her. Where have you been? Come inside. We need to talk. We are all going to be safe now. She smiled and waited for him to choose to enter her home on his own. She could make him, 
but it was always so much more satisfying when they did it on their own. Dad, come on, this place is awesome, Heather called to him from somewhere inside the building. Yeah, we do need to talk. David stepped through the door and into a much bigger room than he had expected from the outside. You're going to need to sit down. Grace shut the door behind him and followed him into the living room. She waited for David to take a seat next to Heather before starting. Okay, I think I'm ready, David said, gently grabbing Heather's hand, still unable to believe she was actually there. That this was real. I've been preparing for this for a long time now. I left because I didn't want this exact thing to happen. I thought if I left, you and Heather would be safe. And you were, for a while, until Heather's powers started to show and you, David, panicked. The lab was very persuasive with you, promised you that they could help her. I tried to help, but getting you to change your mind ended up being just as bad as if I hadn't helped you. They drugged you, hypnotized you, and made you believe she had disappeared into thin air. They couldn't kill you because of Heather's connection with you. Keeping you alive ensured that she cooperated. And keeping you looking for Heather in all the wrong places was good for them. That's where I got involved. Messed around with their experiments. I put a little of myself into a cycle of their clones. And that's how Dosi was born. Grace quickly summarized the years of struggle. There would be time for the details later, when everyone was settled. David stared at Grace, not quite sure where to begin. He took a deep breath and closed his eyes, trying to calm himself. How exactly are we going to be safe? Won't the labbies come looking for us? Grace smiled at her husband. I've taken care of it. No one will be looking for you. Not now. Not ever. I made damn sure of it. She projected the same images into everyone's mind at once. The lab was gone, burned to the ground. David's cabin had met the same fate, taking the labbies that had ventured to look for them there with it. What about the people they worked for? Won't they come looking for us? Abby asked. They didn't work for anyone. They were it. So no, they won't come looking for us. Grace smiled triumphantly, watching as what she had said finally sank in. One by one, they turned to her and smiled back. Now that most of your questions have been answered, let's eat. Grace stood up and headed towards the kitchen, followed by the other clones, and after a few seconds, David, Heather, and Abby. Dosi stood in the middle of the living room, listening to her family in the kitchen. She had a sense of peace. On the walk to Grace's cabin, her mind had been hard at work, piecing together her life. Memories, real memories, not inherited, flooded her mind. Grace's face popping up throughout her life, teaching her what she needed to know. Grace being there, watching over her even when she wasn't physically there. Everything made sense to her now. And she understood what Heather had told her, that she could be anything she wanted. Here, in the safety of home with people that understood her and loved her, she really could be anything she wanted. She could choose to be normal, not use any of her gifts. And she did. She was no longer Document 13. Her name was Dosi, and she was finally free. If you liked today's recording, please like and favorite us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us at coffeecontrails.com. Thanks.